Good day. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. And today we're going to talk to you, business and professional practice owners, operators and managers, business and healthcare students and teachers, and entrepreneurs. We are in the middle of a discussion that we started on the last show about marketing and what the different functions of marketing are about. And uh, Johnny, you and I have talked about some of these. You started out uh, toward the end of last show. I think you brought up the subject of sales and we had some discussion about that. Maybe you could refresh us on that point. And then I'd like to get into what these different functions of marketing are all about. And uh, we'll be building a little avenue here for you. You may want to jot down some notes along the way. When I first began in uh, our business, I thought if you were good, everybody would tell everybody else. That's not the truth. It's not accurate. If you're good at the business, people typically don't say a whole lot. If you're bad, they'll tell everybody. Yeah, the the research says you say, you'll tell ten people, and they yeah. will each tell ten people. So yeah, if will. you do one thing lousy, you, there's a hundred people going to hear about it. That's right, and it's just it's so so important that we understand that because. Uh, as our companies get greater, uh, larger, I should say, and we have more and more issues to deal with, sometimes we forget about the messaging we're sending out there to our client base, and that's why marketing is so important. And I also notice as companies get larger, they tend to separate sales and marketing. But you made a good point that sales still embodies a lot of marketing in the sales process itself. So it's important not to lose sight of that because salespeople can get off on tangents. They can become mavericks. They can really lose the whole point of your marketing if they're not careful. So I would recommend that people uh, tie those two together at least to some extent so that the salespeople are doing exactly the same messaging as the marketing people. Now, I think that's a good point, and, the, and I think there's also an important aspect to all of this that we need to continually be soliciting input from customers and from potential customers. We need to find out how effective our message is that's getting out there because that's, that's really the end result of being successful or not is whether or not your message is, is hitting the mark. Do not sales tell you that to some extent? Yes, yeah, yeah. Sales and 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 in your advertising, uh, your print advertising, broadcast advertising, what what advertising you might do online. Um, what I meant is that that's a pretty good signal. If your sales go up, then your marketing in, is working. Oh yeah, absolutely. I you know I was thinking more about actually soliciting input, uh, yeah. but that's certainly the, the sales uh, are the bottom line, and they, and they're going to show you whether what whether what you're doing is working or not. Right, uh, it's almost a di the same difference between polls before the vote and the actual vote <laughs> itself. Right. Which bottom one, line is who the, wins? Yeah, yeah, the vote is all that counts ultimately. <laughs> well, we've all had that uh, experience recently in life. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. When we're talking about advertising, for example, um, and the different ways of doing that, we need to remember a couple things that are very important. Almost everyone thinks that they should advertise online in some way. And so people put together websites and they put together uh, e email campaigns and they put themselves on Facebook and LinkedIn and Alignable and uh, Yelp and all these about 20 other different things. 
usually with a misunderstanding of thinking that that's going to really help their cause. Well, it's not unless it's really exceptional, unless it's repeated, as Johnny says, seven times at least, and unless it's part of a total overall program. Online advertising, you might be interested to know, 80% of all people exposed to online ads pay no attention to them. Zero. So, you know, you're talking to a very small audience when you run an ad on a website or on a social media uh, vehicle. And, and that really is important. Again, comes back to the subject that content is king. The words are really critical. Uh, words are what win. Graphics and designs can get attention, but in the end, it's the words. And so those words apply to the ads that you do, to the sales pitch that's made, to the promotion of the product or service, even to the merchandising of it, uh, the, the branding. We're going to talk about branding as a whole separate show, um, the image development and uh, and networking. And so, you know. Well, it, let me mention something here if I yes, could, Hal. Uh, it's important, I think, when, especially online, I've gone onto many online sites and could not figure out how to access their service. It was so complicated and so difficult, and that should not be the case. There are many sites, uh, Mile IQ, for instance, for, for logging down your mileage. It's so easy. It's so simple that to go in and log that down. Even I can do it. The second thing, uh, another one I use is Travel Advisor. It's so easy to use that. So it's important that people who have websites make those very user-friendly Otherwise, people will just get frustrated and leave, Right, which I've right. done that. I'm sure User you've done that, too. User-friendly is a key language to use here. So uh, it's not just about the words. It's also about the formatting of the uh, website. That's right. It's how it appears. Yes. yes. That's, that's the way I feel about it. Um, and, and this comes down to – and public relations is another whole aspect of this. And, and so it's like taking the website – uh, online advertising and all of the other advertising and all of the sales presentations and all of the promotion and all of the merchandising and all of the branding and the networking and image development, putting it all together in the ways that you put out news releases uh, and run events. And events are really a lot simpler than most people think. You can run an event with the eight or 10 businesses that are on your block, even if they have nothing to do with one another. You can have a block party and do all kinds of things that will attract different uh, parts of the population to come to your event. It doesn't, and it can be a charitable event. There are, there are just all kinds of things that are possible when you put your mind to it and you deal with these other people who are in your geographical we, area. We just do that example. in downtown Cookville, for instance. They all gather together and you have several restaurants there. They bring people to the downtown area, and you get your share of those who come. Yep. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites, and we'll be right back. This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. We're back uh, with BusinessWorks, and we were just talking about public relations and how that has ingredients that involve mm, news releases and getting attention from the media, as well as events. That's another big chunk of public relations. And in talking about events, we were, uh, I was mentioning how you can put together different people on the block where your business is, 
And then Johnny mentioned something about restaurants, and and, and uh, we took the break. Johnny, you want to come back with this uh, a little bit and some ideas uh, sure. for the listeners? Uh, one good point about public relations, it's more uh, believable than advertising is because it's not typically an ad about you're not saying things about yourself. It's 10 times more credible, tri- more credible according to research that's been done. So, so yeah. That's why it's important to make this a part of it. And it's also important to realize, I didn't realize this in the beginning of uh, growing our business, you need to have a PR to your employees. You need to send the messaging to them as much as anyone else because you want them to be proud of where they work. You want them to hear and feel like they're... So it's an employee relations program. I I think it is. I think it's important that they feel like they're a part of the company in a special way and that they're part of the messaging that the uh, company Yeah, so it needs there. to tie together with yes, the public relations. I think so. Yeah. And when we started doing that with our employees and helping them understand that they weren't just with another company, they were with a company that was special. Now, I, I understand it was because we were saying we were special that made it that way, but they have to believe it in their heart, too, if they're really going to have pride in workmanship. You cannot do quality work without quality people. You cannot take pride in your work unless they take pride in your work. So it's just important that they be uh, a critical part of that because none of us are successful as entrepreneurs without great people on our team. Well, there's another value to that, and that's that if you keep your employees keyed into the directions that you're taking and you tie it together with their version of what the public relations is about – it also sets up the opportunity for them to contribute to the thinking about your public relations. And very often, some of the best public relations programs spin out of employee relations, um, depending on circumstances. But I've seen some companies uh, be very successful in highlighting uh, some of the careers of the people who work with them. And so there's always that opportunity as well. There, in other words, it, when you open one door, it opens a lot of others. And what you want to make sure of is it doesn't slam on your foot, you know, in the process. Some of the best ads that I've seen on TV are where the employees are talking about what a great company they're with or what a great product they provided. I think that has much, much more uh, validity and believability than when the owner himself is talking about it. When One of the areas that um, – and, and I want to come back to this some more. I think that the public relations aspect is very important. Uh, I'm just going to mention that writing a news release is not as easy as people think, that that's a point in time where it really pays to go off and find someone who is a wordsmith uh, who really can do that for you and who understands and has connections with media people so that if they send something to a media person who knows them, the odds of it getting attention are much increased over someone who does not know them. Um, in in the process of doing all that, there is a little game plan uh, that needs to be played by the person sending in the news release. And it requires lots of follow-up. My rule of thumb is when you send the release out, you make a phone call to follow up. And then you follow up the phone call with an email. And then you follow up the email with a phone call. And then you follow up the phone call with an email. And you might have to do that, as Johnny said, seven times uh, I think that at, at least five or six times in order to get attention because media people are inundated every day with stacks of 
news releases or piles of, I mean, it may be paper, but it's still, uh, it comes on emails as well. And emails, and particularly the subject line and those things are very important to get the attention that you need. Uh, right. Well, there's another point, too, that I learned. It's important as we do these writings and, and these blogs that we do that wordsmithing because we tend to write the way we talk. And when you see that in writing, you wonder, well, why did I put that word that in there? <laughs> it's different. It's very different. <laughs> yep. And you have a whole lot of extra words in your messaging that you don't need. All right. We're listening to Johnny Stites here. This is how LPR and business works. And Johnny, uh, you were just talking about getting it down on paper basically again. And we keep coming back to paper. But <laughs> the reality is that it makes a big difference from a computer screen. Well, and it's true. I, I remember the story about Henry Kissinger who had a young staffer that he asked to write up r r some report. And when he did that, the, um, he brought it to Henry Kissinger and Kissinger uh, kept it for a day and handed it back to him and said, this is way too long. Cut, it, cut, out, cut out all of the unimportant information. And he brought it back a second time. Kissinger kept it for a day. He took it back to the young man and said, all right, I need for you to take this and cut it down to the very essence. There's way too many words. And so he brought it back a third time, and the young man said, Mr. Kissinger, this is absolutely the least amount of information that I can give you. He said, then I'll read it now. He had not read the other two. <laughs> and so the young man learned an incredible <laughs> lesson there that his time was valuable. This is true. And, and that Kissinger wasn't going to spend his time reading a report that wasn't well done. Well, talking about paper, and uh, that's also a good measure because the rule of thumb is on a news release, if you're using paper, it needs to be a page and a half. Um, it needs to have double spacing. It needs to have no tricky language in it. And it needs to get to the point right away in the first line or two uh, and then use the rest of it to spell out the details. In, well, the point in, should be somehow related. Excuse me. Al, yeah, that's Al, right. Yeah. But it should be somewhat related to why is this important for the public to know? Right, right. And why is what you're talking about important for the right public? Right in the first line, yeah. Yeah, and, right and, in and that you, first line. I found, I found that quotes, using a quote from the owner or from somebody who's a key person in the business – is provocative if you can get the right kind of a context in it uh, right from the get-go. Uh, the headline is is critically important. And the headline, we're going to talk more about that when we get to the subject of branding in, in uh, another week or so. But the headline really has to be no more than seven words. And so writing a, you know, a, a big long sentence for a headline doesn't work because no. the media people aren't going to even look at it. They're not going to pay any attention. Same thing for a subject line in an email. It's not going to get opened. It's just not, you know, they're not going to pay attention. So you're wasting a lot of time and energy with something that's overkill. Well, we also should know that the headline we write may not be the one they use. That's, that's true, They too. can change it to wherever they want it. Yes. This is how Alpier and Johnny Stites for BusinessWorks. We respond on the air or privately to your comments and questions. You can email to either or both of us at hal at Businessworks, one word, dot US. Hi, this is Hal Alpiar with Johnny Stites. We're back again, and we're in the middle of a discussion about marketing and PR, public relations. 
that it constitutes or consists of online broadcast and print promotion through the words that you use in news releases and special events. And we're talking about that and said, you know, that ties in with sales. That ties in with advertising. It ties in. It's all part of marketing. And there's a really key ingredient that pulls all of that kind of together, and it's what we call networking. Um, networking is uh, probably one of the major vehicles involved in sales because it means really having an elevator speech, which we'll also talk about down the road here. It means being able to reach out and talk to virtually anyone at any time about what it is that you're doing in very um, short and, and important terms. It means asking for referrals. It means having uh, the ability to not be pushy but to be able to talk about it as if you were talking about somebody in your family and just to do it in a nice conversational way. Many times there's not an opportunity to do, say, more than a sentence or so. You meet someone and so how do you quickly make the point of what it is that you do, what it is that you sell, what it is that you represent, and do it in a way that uh, gets some interest? So, Johnny, you have some examples probably, I'm sure, of this. And uh, Well, the hardest part for me to learn about networking is not just going and standing around a group and talking about football and uh, and any other topic that are typically spent. Or big handshakes and slaps on the back. Yeah, yeah. that's not networking, <laughs> and that doesn't really help you. The hardest part for me was to getting the elevator speech down. Right. What are the uniques that people ought to know about and maybe want to know about? And what? how can you dumb that down, make it so simple that they'll easily remember it to pass it on to the next person? I should yeah. mention the elevator speech means something that you can say about your business that would take the amount of time to go up or down in an elevator. So right. we're talking about maybe a one-minute presentation. And uh, when people say, what do you do? They don't care what the name of your company is. They don't care your, what your title is. Right. They want to know, what do you do to help people? What do you do that I might be interested in? And that is a very different messaging when you're networking than saying, well, I, I have this title in a company or I, I perform this role in the company and simply talk about a position. They, I think there's, if you get that speech down, that short sentence down as to what you do, and it has a great value to people, and they'll talk about it with others. And, for instance, the company I'm in, they have three uniques. They help people with their vision, make sure everybody's 100% on target with the vision. They help people with traction to that vision so that everybody on the leadership team and subsequently everybody in the company is working efficiently, functionally, and without... Um, politics or bias or egos involved to accomplish the, the mission vision of the company. And finally, healthy. As we all know, not every leadership team is healthy. They um, Sometimes you have family issues. Sometimes you have other issues that come up um, that are driven by selfishness or ego or just people wanting to be ahead in the family. So when that happens, you have to be prepared to... Um, to deal with it and 
And I think the company that I work with is uh, good about helping people understand those three uniques about them. And when you say that to people, then what they start doing is applying that to their situation or people they might know and saying, wow, that's what my friend told me. He had some problems with his family business or he had problems with his messaging. And so it it makes a difference, I think. Well, and it's it's the challenge that you'd mentioned of being able to to get the right words and put them together. Yes. Um, There's a there's a fun. Requires a lot of thought, doesn't it? Pardon? It requires a lot of thought. Oh yeah. There's there's a there's an interesting story. There's a a famous um, theater producer named David Belasco, and what he used to do is, and he had lines of salespeople for everything unimaginable coming into his office every day. And he finally came up with a little rule of thumb, and he told the secretary that anyone who came in that was selling anything, that they would need to sit down in the corner and write their idea of why they were there on the back of their business card. And if that was acceptable, then he would meet with them. He never met with anyone. Nobody could do it. Everybody, when they were challenged with that, they sat there and, you know, dumbfounded and tried to figure out how they would explain themselves and they couldn't put it on the back of a business card. How do you not know why you're there? <laughs> well, that's that's the whole point. And there were a lot of people out there uh, being salespeople who hadn't a clue about really what they were there for, what they were representing. They just were fast-talking hustler types, you know. Um, so th- this is a whole area we want to talk a little bit more about as we move forward under this marketing umbrella. Uh, we haven't even come close yet to talking about pricing and promotion and merchandising and things like that. And and all of this is part of the PR of your firm. Yeah, one thing I'd like to add right here at the end, Hal, if we could, is you don't always have to go hire somebody at the very beginning. The most important and most difficult part about this is what you just talked about, and that is we all need to sit down and re- and think through what it is we do and how that brings value to other people and crystallize that in our thinking by writing it down. And then we can get somebody who's a wordsmith or a marketing guru that can help us position that in the best way possible. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, This is Hal Alpiar and Johnny Stites. We'd uh, like to thank you and uh, remind you that a number of listeners have asked for our podcast information. So if you have a pen or keyboard, uh, you might want to just jot down that you're listening to BusinessWorks and the podcast address is www.newstalk941.com slash podcast. You'll find us there 24-7 and we look forward to hearing from you with emails at hal at businessworks.us. Have a great day.